Well, welcome to the Cupper Time Podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns. I want to apologize for our two-week gap there. I had a funeral, and then last week I spent uh, the time, some time down in Kansas City at Church of the Resurrection for a leadership institute. So, uh, but glad to be back. And uh, today, Eric and I are going to dig into my sermon from Sunday, which was all about dreams of the uh, the wine steward and the baker in, uh, in Pharaoh's house, and just how uh, Joseph was willing to give interpretation, even though it had no guarantee of of working out for him and so just you know how do we you know how do we react in the similar circumstances and just uh, how can we uh grow in our faith um here in this story so let's get into it sounds good are we too early in the joseph story because i've i've reread tell you what i've reread genesis not a guy it's a whole shit show i'm telling you <laughs> like the whole book i'm like <laughs> Jacob's dad is kind of messed up, but this is who we're all supposed to, you know, he, he becomes Israel. Like I, it's kind of a mess, right? Uh-huh. Yes. And I know there's Joseph in the Technicolor Code, Dreamcoat, the musical, but this could be like, this whole story could be a, like a blockbuster movie that's rated R and you would just think it's coming from a movie. Yeah. And so, like, like two weeks ago, you your sermon was on um, um, Joseph's run-in with Potiphar's wife, right? Yep. She just wants him, for for lack of a better term, he she wants to do the deeds. Yep. And she very much does, and will stop at nothing. Essentially, yeah. yeah. And so, and so, if this is a if this is a Hollywood movie today, you've got some hot naked chick laying on. You, you know what I mean? I mean, that has to be what it is, right? Pretty much, yeah. And he has the fortitude mm-hmm. to turn her down. Yeah. Like, how is that not a movie? Like, it's it's pretty it's pretty much made for TV or made for Hollywood or made for some kind of, you know. Definitely not TV. Yeah, made definitely not film. TV. <laughs> yep. This is definitely a streaming. If it's a TV right. show, it's a streaming show. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> not definitely. on CBS. No. <laughs> you know what I mean, but like, it's not, not even ready think, for prime time, man. Right, exactly. Well, and I don't know. We always we always have in our heads that the Bible is, you know, clean and and oh. not offensive. You know what I mean? Like maybe outside looking in, or or just when you don't when you when you look at everything superficially, you don't think about what's actually happening. Because I've read Genesis before, and it it never really hit me like it did this time. Like. Mm-hmm. This is really just deep, kind of dirty stuff, you know? Yeah. And first of all, what do we, as Christians, what do we do with that? Other than we understand that we're all, I mean, just just the same then as we are now. They were people, you know, and had the same desires that we do. Yep. Uh, and for Joseph to be able to say no to that is quite impressive. Mm-hmm. Yes, and to to say no to that, and then to literally flee, you know, when it like he he finds himself in this abs. I mean, it's it, it's so it's almost uncomfortable to talk about how like bad of a situation he found himself in. He was alone with her. Like she had she had orchestrated this. She had manipulated the situation to the point where he is alone with her and like has to leave behind his own clothing to get away from her. Like. You know, like, they, 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 yeah, 
it's it's bizarro land and like you know in our modern times and and i'm not being critical but in our modern times this type of a story would not get made you know that's why this isn't a movie is because this kind of a story is not made um you know it's it's sexual assault is what happens Mm -hmm. you know exactly joseph gets sexually assaulted by this woman and then falsely accused of sexually assaulting her but because it's he said he said she said and because in that culture like she's the wife of potiphar potiphar is a big deal so you're going to believe this important egyptian woman over this unimportant hebrew man and so it doesn't matter what joseph says it would not have gone well for him you know, and like I said on Sunday, tying it back to the Potiphar's wife story, like the only reason why Joseph is not dead, which is what should have happened, by the way, like Joseph should have been straight up murder one because he tried to rape Potiphar's wife. Like Potiphar should not have responded in grace in the way that he did. It's only because Potiphar liked him. Mm-hmm. Or Potiphar liked what Joseph brought to the table, and that was was godliness and God putting success behind Joseph because he was godly. Like that's the only reason why he doesn't die is because he was turning a prophet. Yeah, I don't know the the skeptic in me is always like, yeah, Potiphar probably knew his wife was crazy. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, he probably didn't do this. So I can't kill him for it. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Or Potiphar knew that his wife was, you know, attracted to more than just, well, yeah, yeah you know, he's trying to figure out how to say that, but thanks. Uh-huh, you know? no problem. But yeah, no, the entire story of scripture, like there are, if you really, if you really dig into some of the stories, there are some seedy, seedy things that happen in the Bible. Um, you know, like not least of which is JL, you know, driving a tent peg through a guy's head in order to defend her country. Like there are a lot of unseemly things, unsightly things. I mean, there's, I have an entire youth study study book called gross, scary, weird stories in the Bible. And like, it's one of my favorite things to teach. Um, because there are just such bizarro cuckoo banan stories that happen in the story of scripture that we 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 want to gloss over them so badly, but yet there still is a nugget of God's truth in the midst of all of those stories. Like Joseph, like in the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife, like Joseph turned it right back to godliness. Joseph is like, I'm not going to betray my master and more Potiphar, and more than that, I'm not going to betray my God. I'm not going to sin against my God just for you know sex with you like that's just not gonna that's not on the list of things i'm gonna do like there's Mm -hmm. no way you know that's you you this physical desire that you are expressing towards me is not worth my integrity you know and so like i was talking about in the sermon like we are tempted by things that would take us outside of our own integrity all of the time and you know do we have that same resolve do we have that same gumption that joseph had to you know to remove ourselves from situations to to really i mean sometimes it takes fleeing sometimes it takes you know i'm not going to have this you know i'm not going to have access to this after you know xyz time or you know whatever it is you know it's just yeah there there are, there are things that we can do to safeguard our hearts and safeguard ourselves from falling into sin Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, talk about an example for us to, to be able to have the integrity and the self-discipline to say no. I, 
hopefully I'm never in that situation. Right. But man, I hope I say no to, you know what I mean? Like I, right. I until you're in there, you don't know what you're, how you're going to react, but you got to right. think you're gonna do the same thing as Joseph. But it's at some point you don't maybe mute this. You don't think with the same head at that point. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> but you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yep. Like that takes it for an unmarried man. Well, and especially at that time when they had six oh, yeah. wives, you know, exactly. like it was a yes. whole different world than, than it is today too. Yep. It just Joseph is one impressive dude. I agree. I agree. That's why we're doing a sermon series on him. And at what point? Uh, at what point are you? If, if you're a fan of Joseph, um, what point are you like? Man, where's your self-preservation? Because every single time he, or, or or earthly self-preservation, I should say, like he never cares about what the earthly consequence is going to be. Right. You know, like he. He gets thrown in, I don't know, it just, like on Sunday when he's he's telling, you know, or interpreting the dreams of those two guys, you almost wonder when he told the the bartender, essentially, uh, what, what his dream meant in hand, don't forget about me, like, yeah, he was going to throw him under the bus, didn't he? I don't know. What do you think? He does make an earnest plea. I mean, Mm -hmm. he does like timing wise Sunday got away from us. Let's just be honest about where we are. And so like there was a part of that, there was a part of that chapter that I did not read of Genesis chapter 40. And that is where Joseph like pleads with the guy. Hey, I'll tell you this, but you got to help me out, man. You've, Mm -hmm. you've, you can't forget me. You can't leave me here because you know, the, the the dream says you're getting out, man. So when you get out, help a brother out. Because, you know, I could have just told you anything you wanted to hear. I could have told you lies. I told you the absolute truth of what your dream meant. Don't, you know, don't forget me. And then, you know, I'm sure in the back of his mind, he had to have known it was an option. It was possible. I mean, he is, he is an outsider of the outsiders. He is an, he is a Hebrew person. He is, you know, falsely accused, but they don't know that. All they know is that they're down here because that he's down there because he, you know, tried to, tried to hook up with Potiphar's wife, which, you know, is not the real story, but what we, we don't know what they know, what they knew, you know? Mm -hmm. So it would be very in, in that situation where Joseph has none of the power and none of the privilege and none of the standing, yeah, I mean, Potiphar could have been, I mean, probably was going around saying, oh, that Joseph guy, I trusted him and put him in charge of all this stuff. And he turned around and tried to sleep with my wife. Like, mm-hmm. that could be the story. That could be the prevailing narrative, you know? And so they get the, these two other guys get down there. And, you know, I don't know how enthused they were that Joseph was a part of their story. And right. so then one of them died and one of them got out and, didn't think of again. Think of him again for two years until Pharaoh found him himself in a certain in a similar situation. But time and time again, he doesn't change. Yeah. Yep. He just keeps doing the things that we should strive to be able to do. You know, mm-hmm. we're not. He's not worried about 
his current status? No. Not at all. And it's because he has those dreams in the back of his head the entire time. Like he, you know, in a in a culture that believes that, you know, God is the one that gives dreams and that God's dream the dreams that God gives are you know, predictive of what's going to happen. You know, he believes and with all of his heart that God's going to be, even in the midst of everything else, he believes that these dreams are going to come, or that these dreams are going to come true. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just, I'm, I'm much more willing to give up on my dreams than, than he is. Those dreams are very powerful and, uh, and really what power forward the entire narrative of of him becoming the shining star and the most impressive sheaf of wheat, you know, which he does. I mean, he becomes the second most influential person in the entirety of Egypt. He, you know, he compels or not compels, but he lives in such a way that his brothers, you know, move up, they pick up everything and they move to Egypt at the end of the story, you know, and then a lot of their, their entire nation follows. Becomes a problem, you know, a couple hundred, a couple more hundred years down the line, it becomes a problem, but. You hear cool stories about frogs and locusts and all sorts of turning blood and all that kind of stuff. So, yep. Story for a different day. Yes, definitely. Definitely. But yeah, it's, it's, it's how the exodus happens. I mean, it's how it's the, it's how salvation It's It's just such a part of salvation history, this entire story. It just fits in, you know, it connects the pieces between how does God promise Abraham generations before that they're going to rule in Cana and, you know, live in a land flowing with milk and honey. And then they leave and then they come back. Like it's, you know, it's this bizarre world that, you know, that, that this is all a part of God's story. I don't know. I've been, I've been, I've been enjoying rereading Genesis, probably not podcast really, but um yeah, like it's a freaking mess. And like they're I don't know, I can't get over like, hey, go to your brother's house and steal yourself a wife or one of his daughters and like the incest is just, yeah, we need to do that. And I know it's a culture thing, but I just Yeah. It is. When people think of Genesis, they think of like the creation story and then maybe Lot's wife, maybe Sodom and Gomorrah, maybe, you know, maybe some of Jacob. But, you know, yeah, there's all kinds of stuff in there. I love the book of Genesis. So when I was in seminary, I had to take an Old Testament elective and my Old Testament elective was on Genesis. So spent a lot of time in this book in seminary. Would love to take that class or at least I don't ever want to go back to college, but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, it's just fascinating. And I would love to get more of the understanding of the culture at the time. Like, you can kind of pick that up as you read through it, but yep. it'd be nice to be able to add some context a little bit to it. So like, commentaries are a thing. Mm-hmm. So, two more weeks? Of this two more series? weeks, yep. What do we yep, have for the next story? Week? The story is about to get better. You know, I've talked about a couple of a couple of times in the last couple of weeks of like, you know, and you're if you're in church with us, don't get your hopes up because the story's not going to get any better. Uh, and finally, it's going to um, because we're going to get into Pharaoh's dream. Um, Pharaoh um, has this fitful night of sleep and has this dream about, you know, seven fat calves and then seven skinny calves. And he's just like, well, that's weird. I don't know what that means. And so he asks his best and his brightest to come and help interpret the dream. 
And none of them can or just like, well, we don't know. And then the wine steward, the bartender, um, that as Eric pointed out, um, mm-hmm. says, hey, I was in jail once. I don't know if you all know that, but I was in jail once. It was two years ago. But there was a guy down there that really, you know, he was able to interpret my weird dream. Maybe he'll be able to interpret your weird dream, you know. And so Joseph is called in front of Pharaoh here's the dream. And then like, just says, Hey, here's what's going to happen. Seven years of better crops, seven years of famine. How are we going to navigate it? Here's what we are going to do. We're going to stock up in those seven years. We're going to be, you know, we're going to be fiscally responsible. We're going to be uh, conservative with our consumption. And then for seven years of the famine, it won't be that big of a deal because we've done the, the hard work of storing up. And Pharaoh's like, all right, cool. I need someone to be in charge of that. I need someone with with a real, real good head on their shoulders that can be in charge of that. And it's like, well, obviously it's Joseph, you know? And so Joseph with the wisdom that God granted him is able to help the people navigate through, you know, what we're going to do with that is talk about how there are with our confirmation kids. Like they've been on this long journey of growing in their faith and growing in godly wisdom, but it's not really the end. It's just beginning because, you know, Joseph's story, it feels like this could be just the end. Like he helps Pharaoh navigate. And then, you know, Pharaoh says, all right, cool. We have the plan. Peace out, Cub Scout, back down to jail. Um, you know, but no, through this, he's given an opportunity to continue to grow in godly wisdom and to continue to like live out his faith, um, you know, his faithfulness before God. Um, and that's the same opportunity that's afforded to us. Like we can't, it's not just one moment that makes our entire life of faith. It's not just the confirmation moment. It's not just our baptism. It's not just, you know, seminary graduation. Like it is an ongoing lifelong process of becoming who God has made us to be. And so as, um, as my confirmands take this big step in their faith, it's not over. As Joseph's story starts to evolve and change, it's not the end of the story. Like there's still a lot of things happening that he'll have to help navigate through the years of, you know, the, this 14 year cycle that he's going to be in charge for. So yeah, we just can't we just can't bank our entire faith on this one event. We have to continue to to live and grow um, in our faithfulness to God. Mm-hmm. Sweet. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be good. Huh. Thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week in person at 10 a.m. at church online on uh, Facebook Live. We're back here for the podcast next week. Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.